If you love me, you will keep... Oh, my, that was last Sunday's sermon. <laughs> if we love one another, God abides in us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. That's actually not such a a terrible mistake to make, to have begun almost quoting last Sunday's verse, which I preached on, because the thing I, the scriptures put before us, the thing I wish to bring before us this morning, is in every way a a continuation of the commandments and the injunctions we heard last week from the scriptures, to love, the great theme of love, the great theme that uh, preoccupies St. John's presentation of the gospel as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week I spoke chiefly about love as it manifests in our sort of outreaching concern for those who we bump into in the course of our life, right? So it may be people in the parish or family, but it also might be strangers on the street. And I spoke specifically about um, the material implications of obeying God's commandment to love, namely help giving of our resources to bless and benefit the needs of other people. So last week I was kind of thinking when I was talking about love and as St. John was talking about love um, there was a sort of like outward oriented view this week I actually want to sort of turn the spotlight kind of in house as I think we heard in this morning's lessons what does love look like in, within the family of God like within the congregation within the local church uh, that's what I want to speak on how we love each other as members of the good shepherd and meaning that in its sort of double meaning, right? As members of Christ Jesus, really and mystically, and as members of the Good Shepherd Anglican Church, this parish. Um, It is a great blessing to me that there is already a lot of love in this congregation. Many of you predate my coming to this parish, and I have been been, uh, blessed by the warmth and the love that exists in this community. Uh, some of you who have told me, who have come, kind of come among us more lately, that you too have recognized that there's a warmth and a love within this parish family for which I give thanks to God. Um, and actually, to sort of steal a line from St. Paul, as he writes to his church sometimes, sometimes we receive encouragements because it's something we're not doing. Like, hey, we're not doing this, we need to start doing it. But also the scriptures say, hey, you're doing this, Fantastic. Let's keep doing that. Let's lean into it further and let's also articulate and be conscious of what it is we're trying to do so that um, it doesn't get lost. Right? Because nothing about our Christian life, because we have enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, nothing is sort of guaranteed to stay um, true about us without God's help, without intentionally seeking his help and his will. And so I want to speak about love, not to say... Uh, you know, we're not doing these things and we need to do them, but to say we are doing these things and let me just name it clearly from the pulpit and also just encourage us just a little bit further in our love for each other. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so that's the question. How, how can we love each other? I think any time we're speaking about love in any context, the word is so good but it's like too high, it's too big a thing. Like love, it's too abstract, it's hard to kind of conceptualize, okay, well, what will I do during coffee hour or on Monday to love? How can I love it? So I I want to sort of break it down into smaller pieces 
And I think for the first time ever in my life as a preacher, um, for these several years now, I actually have an, an acronym for us this morning. Um, <laughs> um, even though I'm still two-thirds deaf from an ear infection, I heard that chuckle. <laughs> um, but so the acronym I have for how we can love is, is VIPs, which is a little too cute even for me. Um, <coughs> but uh, I think each of these letters uh, gives us something we can kind of hook onto a little bit to encourage love in this congregation. So the V of VIPs is simply visiting each other, right? An instinctive Christian practice, but in an increasingly isolated world, one which may become less instinctive and we need to be a bit conscious about. And I don't just mean just visiting when we're hard up, when we're in hospital or sick, although nothing warms my heart as a pastor more when I go to visit one of you in hospital and you tell me, oh, so-and-so's already come by and visit, so-and-so's already called. It's like, yes, that's what we should be doing, like uh, caring for each other. Visiting each other when we're in hospital, when we're recovering from surgery or stuck at home for one reason or another. But also in the good times, right? Visiting each other at our places of work around town, um, for the landmarks of birthdays and retirements or whatever it may be. I think just sort of smooshing our lives together more closely is one of the ways we can sort of opens the door to begin to love each other. It's a precondition as for, for love. Now, if we just sort of visit each other, say, uninvited, only uninvited, um, that doesn't always work out very well for the long-term health of a friendship. So the I of VIPs is, is invite. It's the other side of this, right? I think, as a congregation, we should be regularly inviting each other into our lives. And specifically, I think dinners, Christianity, we are, our life is oriented around a table is oriented around eating together, and I think one is sort of extending the Eucharist as a sort of a guiding principle of our lives, we should be eating together. And again, this will be a more and more unique thing as the world continues to go down a path of disintegration and uh, separation from each other and sort of engrossment in technological media and whatnot. Um, just the simple act of eating together with the labor that it is to get the extra groceries and the sort of ever refining sort of craft of social graces and whatnot, it's so good to practice. And very, it's very timely that I've just um, updated our parish directory. Um, there's copies on the back table, um, which I hope please take one or two. Take, I mean, just take what you need um, today. Let the parish directory be sort of a prompt and a reminder that, you know, you will have bumped into certain other families here in church and invite them over. Great. But maybe people who you haven't bumped into. Like, we are a church family. You can cold call someone and say, hey, we're members of the same church and we've only said hello once. Would you like to come over for dinner? Uh, that would be a great thing to do, to, to foster and encourage love as we break bread together. So we should vi- I think if we visit each other, if we're inviting each other over for dinner, um, VIP, in the midst of um, family life and work life and just the busyness of life, uh, one of the ways we re- I think we can most faithfully and regularly love each other, because we can't all have each other over for dinner every night of the week, is, is praying for each other. Um, and I ask you rhetorically, are you praying for other members of the congregation? I hope you are. Um, but again, here's a way where the parish directory might be a really useful thing. Um, I will sometimes just take the parish directory and just pray through the names so I remember not to forget any of you. Um, not that I would, I hope. But um, 
but to remember, like, oh yeah, you know, and, and sometimes there'll be specific needs. Like, oh yeah, I know what's going on in that family. Lord, I pray for this thing for this person. Or, but sometimes, you know, maybe there's not some concrete need. I'll just say, Lord, please have mercy on Scott and bless him. <laughs> you know, and just, just pray something simple and move on. And maybe sometimes, and these are just ideas which I want to kind of pitch for you to try out. Leave the parish directory uh, somewhere kind of visible in your home, like where you sort the mail or on a desk or something. And just see a name and just pray for that person or that family for that day. You know, just like, oh, Laurie and Reggie, I'll just, okay, I see their name, I'll just pray for them today. Holy Spirit, please give me things to pray for. Just keep them in your heart. And as we sort of pray for each other, not only will, has the Lord promised to hear our prayers, and so he himself will be more at work among us through our prayers for each other, but as many of you have experienced, when you pray for someone, the love you feel for them sort of enlarges and warms, and you start to feel what is in reality true, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, that we are knit together as a family. It's um, one of the fallouts of sort of living in the age we do is that it is the case that jobs change and things are mobile and we won't all be in these pews all together forever, but we will all be in Christ Jesus forever. And I think the more we can remember that, the more honestly we will live in community. I, we had, um, when I was in seminary, we had a, a Russian student come with us and uh, he was a very interesting guy. But one of the things that I loved about him was he would always um, address emails to the community. He would say, immortal community. Oh, yeah, that's how you address an email. Um, but he's speaking a theological truth, right? Like we are bound together in Christ Jesus for eternity. These are not transient relationships. This is not just some city-wide club. This is an eternal thing. So praying for each other is an investment in an eternal loving relationship. So visiting each other, inviting each other, praying for each other, VIP, S, um, and this, I think, is so crucial, and the scriptures speak about it all the time. Um, speaking well of each other, right? The opposite of gossip and slander. Nothing will corrode the warm spirit of love in this community more than speaking ill of each other, even in private with someone, sort of a confidant or wherever it may be. Um, harsh speech, it actually sort of freezes part of the heart like your, your very capacity to love the person you're speaking about is diminished and we aren't islands unto ourselves part of being connected in the body of Christ means that any speaking ill will have sort of effects in the community and so one of the things I think we need to be on our guard against is, is speaking ill of each other in the positive side what that really means. And this is a great labor because the flesh loves to speak ill. Um, is covering over the faults of another person. That often, nine times out of ten, ill speech about someone else might be very well warranted or grounded in some fault of the person. Doesn't matter. It doesn't justify speaking ill of each other. What, as Christians, we're called to do um, is to bear with one another's burdens. As Paul would say, love, right, the theme of this morning, covers a multitude of sins. So even if someone in the parish has wronged you, which we inevitably will from time to time, the response isn't, ah, guess what so-and-so did to me. It's, okay, taking it to the Lord in prayer and saying, Lord, help me to forgive. 
Lord, please bless this person who's hurt me or whatever it may be and, and give me grace to not speak ill of them. And, and maybe for that, if when difficulties and bumping heads happens, of all people, someone who has offended us is someone we should take pains to speak well of and to find something good to say in public if we're talking about each other, which we need to always be careful, right, when we do. So visiting each other, V, I, inviting each other, praying for each other, and speaking well of each other. I think these are four concrete practices which, if we just lean into them a little bit more intentionally as a congregation, love will um, be fostered among us. We actually will open the door for God's nearer presence, the experience of his presence and of his loving presence, uh, into our lives personally and into our lives corporately. Um, that's the great promise that St. John says like 10 different times in that letter that we heard, in the, the lesson that we heard, right? He says, God abides in us when we love our brother. Abides, right? Kind of the old word, but meaning like stays near to, is profoundly close and connected to. Um, we are permanently, we permanently belong to God. So it's not a question of sort of like, you know, being on the ins or outs with God, thanks to Jesus, we are on the in. We are his. But in terms of that abiding nearness, that sense of his presence, that sense of his lordship and direction, and the delight in God, St. John says, there's, kind of, there's a contingency there. Are you lo- seeking to love your brother? In as much as you're not, expect to experience God as far away. Because as he says, how can you love the unseen God if you are not loving your brother who is seen? So St. John is kind of, I should say, God speaking through St. John is connecting these things. When we practice the practices of love, we're actually saying, God, fill my heart with more of your love. Allow me to know your nearer presence. The acts and the experience of God are connected. Verse 7, for instance, of chapter 4. Whoever loves knows God. So connected to what I've been offering this morning, whoever prays for each other knows God. Maybe we could say more, because we all know God at some level, right? Whoever speaks well of other people, especially if they're offended, knows God. St. John says in verse 16, whoever abides in love abides in God. Whoever is warmly inviting others to their table to have loving fellowship is abiding in loving fellowship with God. It's very concretely connected. So the, the encouragement to try and love each other, it couldn't be stronger, right? Our very experience of God is connected to it. Um, and with that, the experience of the blessings of God. So let me exhort you as, we, as God exhorts us, love one another. Love one another. Amen.